Hello! Hello everybody, this is episode 122 of Rum Doings. You can send us email to podcast at rumdoings.com or tweet us at rumdoings. Some of you did this, some of yes. you didn't. Some of, some of them didn't, did they? A, a handful of listeners didn't email us or tweet us. Which is it's just impertinent. What's the topic today, Jonathan? <laughs> it's not my name, and the topic today is... Are children, are children having more accidents in the playground because parents are too busy playing on their smartphones? <laughs> we have to be honest that today that actually is a direct lift from the Daily Mail. That's just <laughs> that's just what the Daily Mail is saying. I, just, I know we're not discussing it, but I do want to read you just the preamble to the story. It says, okay. the rising number of children falling from playground equipment is partly fuelled by parents' growing use of smartphones and Blackberries say experts do you know what's brilliant about that um it it's not correct from the very first sentence you know the rising number really are there rising numbers of children (laughs) falling really where's the evidence for this what's the data the set that you've used see we're going to end up discussing it if you want me to find out the answers to those things I'm afraid, okay, as a special treat, let's actually discuss this because it it actually is deeply interesting and in minutiae explains how this sort of journalism works. So let's find out. Well, they blame a sharp rise in playground falls and mishaps in the home on their... What? A sharp rise? Okay, I'd have to read this whole thing verbatim because it's going to be great, I think. This is by journalist Sophie Borland. Right. Children are having more accidents because their parents are too busy checking their mobile phones to supervise them properly, researchers warn. Which researchers? Researchers, Nick. Mm -hmm. They blame a sharp rise in playground falls and mishaps in the home, oh, I see, so both, on their mothers and fathers, mothers or fathers, being distracted by text messages and emails. Text messages and emails. Only those, but Facebook, boo, you should be viewing the Daily Mail website, not using text messages and emails. That's true. The number of children being admitted to hospital having fallen from playground equipment has risen by a third in the last five years, according to NHS data. I'd like to see this day. So maybe seven children (laughs) have been left in, and it was about two and a half before, uh, four and a half or something. I wonder what that actually means. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Parenting experts and doctors specialising in emergency departments. <laughs> <laughs> parenting experts and doctors, experts in parenting. Hello, I'm a parentologist. I like the idea of a, do- a doctor who specialises in emergency departments. I'm a doctor of emergency departmentalitis. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very well. I'm a parentologist. <laughs> They say it's risen by a third in the last five... Oh, hang on, I've jumped back a paragraph because they're all pretty much identical. Mm. Um, They believe the rise is partly fuelled by the growing use of smartphones and Blackberries. Blackberries not being smartphones, presumably. Both both smartphones and Blackberries, yes. They also point out children are more inclined to take risks or misbehave when they know that parents' attention is diverted. Uh, Is this the same Daily Mail that probably last week and probably last year and probably for the last 10 years has been bemoaning the fact that in their day children used to be allowed to run around in fields without parents constantly worrying about where they were? I think it may be. What happened in those days when children were allowed to just climb trees and run about and didn't have any parents um, supervising them? Uh, was that, uh, you know, the parents weren't even standing there staring at their smartphones. They were in their drawing rooms or being bloodletted. That's true, but they were, um, the children were protected by the prevalence of paedophiles. 
And Enid Blyton vibes. Yeah. Yeah. It's about keeping an eye on them. Mm. They also point out that children... Are, oh, no, I've been Figures from the NHS show that last year some... Oh, here you go. Numbers, Nick. Some yeah. 9,564 children were admitted to hospital having fallen from playground equipment, up yeah. from 7,232 in 2006-7. Mm-hmm. Right, so they've taken two years, uh, and I wonder what it was in the year 2000, for That's, example. Yes, exactly. You know, I wonder if, if I drew a graph, do you know what I think I'd see? Bumpity, 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 bump. Also, I'd like to also, also, um, I'd like to see correlation with, you know, how many new playgrounds and so on were opened up and that kind of thing. It's, it's funny. Uh, it's almost as if we need more variables to work out, work out the data. I also like the idea that there's, there's some sort of implication that the number of children falling from playground equipment should be consistent. <laughs> yes. That's a consistent... Now, you can always rely on this. It's like the speed of light. Yes. The number of children... What? The number of children falling off playground equipment's gone up? What? <laughs> All of Einsteinian physics are, are abandoned. No, what I like about... Well, Einsteinian physics was sort of abandoned when we discovered um, the theory of marshmallow. Anyway, I have... No, 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 I, I can't stop when we haven't finished the story yet. Okay. Researchers point out that the rise coincided with the increasing availability of blackberries. They pointed out that it mm, coincides. Interesting. Well, it does coincide. I'll give them that. Yes, with the availability of blackberries and smartphones, such as Apple's iPhone, which went on the market five years ago. Do you know what it also coincides with? What else, it, Nick? It, it also coincides with um, the re-election of Barack Obama. <gasps> The election of Barack Obama. I mean, that's only four years ago. Yeah. Well, um, that was 2007, 2008. It was fine, they said. And now four years later, and uh, we, we've, we've gone up a third. I, th- I, I blame Barack Hussein Obama. I'm just going to look at what else happened in 2007. Ah, Madeleine McCann went missing. Ah, mm. yes. So w- whichever cheeky chappy pulled her away has also been pushing uh, kids <laughs> off jungle gyms while their parents are too busy reading their texts and emails off both their smartphones and their Blackberries. Oh, Nick, I found out what it is. Uh-huh. On August 6th, 2007, uh-huh. Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert arrived in the historic Palestinian town of Jericho, becoming the first Prime Minister of Israel to visit the West Bank or Gaza Strip in more than seven years. Oh, there we <laughs> go. the Jews. Yeah. So anyway, so so they've 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 got some sort of bumpy little graph that yes. proves no correlation at all. So the first thing is that there was a rise at all is is not even uh, uh, statistically is not even contention. The, the second thing is it's based on the fact that parents are staring at their smartphones. Uh, let's hear the evidence for that. Jane O'Sullivan, she's chief executive of London Early Years Foundation, mm-hmm. which runs nurseries in the capital, said. We are all guilty of being distracted by our phones. As a society, we need to start setting parameters around when it is and is not appropriate to use them. Well, I hope that she's not guilty, being that she runs a nursery school and is supposed to be looking after children. It is a balancing act, but parents need to be aware when their phones are having too much power over their lives and try to put them away when they are spending time with their children. Okay. Children crave attention, and if they are not getting it from their mums and dads, they will sometimes do dangerous things to grab it. Yes, it's just iPhones, of course, and Blackberries, because, you know, if, if, if parents were reading or speaking to their friends yes. or baking or cooking or watching television or listening to the radio or indeed reading the Daily Mail, those things aren't distracting. And, or or um, Android, either. Apparently, that's fine. No. Uh, Dr. Wally... <laughs> Wally's a funny name. Dr. Wally Gurabi 
medical Racist. director of the emergency department at the University of California Los Angeles Medical Center said. It's... Hold on, but I, this, I thought this was we're talking about NHS data, so, so now I've suddenly gone to the west coast. Okay, it's very the very west coast of Britain. It's mm. very well understood within the emergency medicine community that utilizing devices, handheld devices. Oh, sorry, I should say it's very well understood. Within, he's from California, right? Within yes. the emergency medicine community, but he's also a bit foreign. He's got a slightly foreign name, so you need to give a Californian foreign. Uh, Immigrant accent. Can you try that, please? I try, but it'll be He's very, very well understood. That's <laughs> well understood within the emergency medicine community that utilizing devices, handheld devices, while you are being assigned to watch your kids, that resulting injuries could very well be because you are utilizing those tools. I'm not sure where that accent went to then. It was just sort of all over. It went back to Holland, yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit Dutch, yes. Uh, he's a Dutch American. Uh, named don't Rabi. smoke pot while you're looking after your kids. That's <laughs> very well understood within the emergency medicine community. I love that. It's a little, it's a little secret that they like to keep <laughs> between themselves. <gasps> also, I find the mother is an iPad user. The NHS does not have figures for the total numbers of injuries involving children. <laughs> right. They flop. They flop in and then ran a little paragraph of its own. But figures from the US show they rose by twelve percent in the last five years, having been falling for the last decade. Right. <laughs> anyway, Professor David. It's all over the place, isn't it? <laughs> Professor David Schwiebel. Um, Racist. Well, indeed, I think we're going to have a Jew here, Nick. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to speak like him then. Okay. An expert in psychology at the University of Alabama. <laughs> An Alabama Jew. That's where. That's your territory now. I'm not touching that. I need Alabama accents, and I need Jew accents. Go on. <laughs> Said, "Hey, hey, hey, cowboy." There you go. What did he say? He said, "Young children have a natural risk to hurt themselves if they are not properly watched by an adult." It's a natural risk. A natural it's risk. not an artificial risk. <laughs> if the adult is distracted, clearly the risk is increased. We know yes. that drivers and pedestrians are distracted at more and more at risk when they use devices. It's a fairly small leap to suggest that supervisors are distracted. I love this. an amazing non-story. <laughs> and then we've got one last person joining in. Yes. Um... Sheila Merrill, public health advisor at the Royal Society for the Prevention of Accidents, said, Supervision is central to ensuring that young children are not exposed to significant risk in the home, on the road, or while out playing. Distraction comes in many forms, of course, but with the apparent rise in smartphone use, it's important to remind parents and carers that texting, calling, and surfing the net at inappropriate times can put their child at unnecessary risk of being hurt in an accident. There you go, that's the story. That's an exceptional Surf. story. Surfing the net. And their oh, cartoonist, Pew, Pew, um, has done a cartoon of um, a lady using what I guess must be a tablet, but it's just like, it looks like she's holding a sheet of paper. Yes. Um, well, a kid is tugging at her ba- handbag and being ignored because there's a giant gorilla grabbing another child. Are you ready <laughs> for the joke? Is the caption, or, 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 or actually, what well, it's probably a black man. Yeah, that's the, the fear yeah. of the black man capturing your child. Um, and the caption, ready for this one? Yes. Oh shh, I'm on the phone. I'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> oh, that's that, that's biting. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But what that makes me understand is the person who wrote that knew that it was rubbish. I mean, let's let's analyse the actual journalism of it. Sophie Borland. The person who, 
Yeah, but she was very pleased with herself for actually being able to turn in an article that didn't require her to do any particular research and was just plucked out of the air. Some other stories by Sophie Ballen begin. Lung cancer rates soaring for women after tobacco manufacturers target them by saying smoking helps you stay slim. Mm. When did... What? In the 50s? Well, yes. That's not really new news, is it? Taking over-the-counter allergy pills can cause memory problems for pensioners. Yeah. Do you want to hear my... I I just realised I never read you story two, did I? No, you never did. I'm going to sit back and listen because I've got a sniffly cold, so I'm going to blow my nose and listen. Story one was uh, the slightly utopian vision of what would happen in 2010 on the internet, Yes, written in the early 90s. And we should now... say that this is from the book you wrote when you were at school. Yes, exactly. Well, just after school. And now I shall read story two. Mm-hmm. I've actually got a book that I'm reading from. Listen. What's a book? Do you hear What's that? a book? Ah. <laughs> right. Story two. Emma dragged herself up the steps into the crumbling concrete monolith through a cloud of diesel soot. She swiped her card through the machine at the door, which beeped at her alarmingly. Her slate beeped too, as though the devices were having some infernal conversation, which, in a way, they were. (laughs) 2.38 minutes late. Reported to Centronet. Penalty deduction. Please have a nice day and try harder. Flashed yellow on the slate's little grey screen. She knew that if she had any further penalty deductions, she'd lose all research rights, and perhaps even her slate, being forced to use one of those underpowered public network terminals in the upstairs corridor. Can I, so I need to interrupt. Can I just ask a question? Can mm-hmm. you prevent devices having an infernal conversation by using a firewall? <clears throat> she, she ran to the classroom and slid her card again. Same beep, same message. The teacher glowered at her, and she sat down at a rickety desk in the front. It still had an inkwell. She decided not to use any e-vouchers for the first lesson. She'd spent too many on the math sessions last term. Today, she'd have to do without the fancy online holographic demonstrations (laughs) and and, and EduPlus international experts, but make do with the video disc low bandwidth version provided by the National Education Service for all those not able to afford these nice little extras. The teacher turned on a net screen in the corner of the room, but no more than a familiar pre-recorded and rather morose face appeared on it. Sorry, no available net channel. Please try again later. So much for the planned net meet with some students in Arizona. Since the National Education Service's tender for extra bandwidth allocation had failed, they had to share their sponsored link with ShopNet, SportsCo and GrendelNet, who took priority during business hours when they sapped the link with extremely complex interactive 3D imaging and the high-density data streams for the new networked body sense suits, with which even the latest fiber-optic lines could not adequately cope. Inconvenient, school hours were business hours. This was also the sale season, so the line was pretty much saturated, as it was with normal high-band commercial traffic. The teacher sighed and touched a disconnect icon on the screen. The speak. The speaker retorted jollily, Thank you for using the sports code Jovially. network. Quality. Jollily. This word is jollily. Well, there is here. 
Thank you for using the Sportsco network. Quality sports information at a price you can afford. Please come again soon and flick it into a replay of last Tuesday's maths lesson, enlivened with product endorsements scrolling across the screen's bottom. <laughs> the bell tolled, and those children who, along with Emma, didn't have the current purchasing power to afford the EduPlus experience, filed into a little prefab alongside the car park. Some claimed that the history department was riddled with asbestos. <laughs> that there had been some scurrilous rumours circulating, acro- circulating across the net, but an MS contentment agent had removed them, quote, before they could do damage to a minor sense of well-being, close quote. Or so went the well-trodden phrase appearing on so many expunged sites. The pupils sat down and waited for a teacher, but none appeared. Apparently he was busy at a school's cramp curriculum for remote advertising, marketing and publicity conference in Leicester. A secretary arrived with a video disc labelled NES World War Two and slid it into the wall player. Another of those messages flashed across the screen. Curriculum material expired. Please download updates after credit approval. She ejected the disc from the slot and slid in another, any she could find. NES Netlink Topic 4.23. Pending approval by Curriculum Board. Please purchase appropriate alternative EduPlus online materials for licensed pupils. Alternatively, seek software on hard media or approved non-interactive resource materials, video discs, textbooks, etc. Some in the class began giggling. The school's remaining books were in three locked cases on the third floor. The secretary banged an icon on the screen disconsolately and it flickered, but not much else happened. She slid in another disc. Third time lucky. NES Interactive History. Please select 1. Theme of your investigation. 2. Period of your investigation. Dinosaurs, shouted one of the pupils. Doing net approval lookup, flashed the screen. A moment or two later, a slow recorded voice emerged from the speaking. Dinosaurs are now removed from the current approved national curriculum at this level. Please try again. After much trial and error, with similar messages repeated, it became clear that all that was on offer was the Industrial Revolution, post-Cold War communication studies, and the history of modern Norwegian manufacturing industry. The secretary chose the second option and walked out of the prefab. The net cams would watch out for miscreants. The latest image recognition algorithms were capable of identifying the guilty party and making penalty deductions from his or her account immediately. The net cams had their own dedicated line, apart from the sports co-route. Unfortunately, the system was not quite capable of discovering the subtler forms of bullying which sometimes prevailed. The NES tutorial continued, outlining 1. The development of the then World Wide Web in CERN 2. The browser and bandwidth battles 3. The stringent net control legislation becoming a part of most countries' constitutions 4. The commercial buyout of 86% of the Internet's backbones by one large corporation 5. The successful amalgamation of 93% of the world's service providers into two transnationals. 6. The failure of a World Bank project to get a high-performance connection to developing nations. An elderly man with a well-trimmed moustache and a carnation in his lapel appeared on the screen. They'd only have stolen the terminals, and they're all fighting with each other anyway. Anyway, they don't even have chalk, so what do they want with the internet? The timeline continued into the realisation that the tendering corporations could provide electronically the sort of Western education popular with tabloid journalism more cost-effectively than schools could provide teachers, and the the further realisation that metered online education was a more generous model than top-sliced funding. It would teach the pupils to be careful with their research time. Knowledge was money. 
The pre-recorded interactivity was suddenly interrupted. Apparently, there was a little bit of extra bandwidth allocated on Sportsco's net, and the screen flickered through the usual pre-connection advertisement. The commercial concluded, and it became clear that the children in Arizona had made contact. They waved. The American teacher was busy fixing a printer connected to an old Windows 2000 terminal with only 256 meg of RAM. Imagine that, John. <laughs> and by the way, of course, Windows 2000 was not invented yet, so I should have claimed copyright. And the children began talking, aware that netcams were monitoring their speech and actions, and that each minute, even after sponsorship, was metered. The strong morning Arizona sunshine added freshness to the American opinions and a grey British afternoon. They talked happily for the few literally precious moments, sharing opinions about the freedom they now enjoyed. When a class maverick in England quoted extracts from the year 2001 change to the United States Constitution's First Amendment, where freedom of speech was defined and delimited very clearly indeed, his slate informed him that because of his actions, the school was now being charged double time for a non-relevant political discussion. This irresponsible sidetrack would, of course, be reported to Centronet. To compound this, an automatic cyber agent popped onto the wall screen and smilingly suggested that this would be an opportunity to discuss Bill Gates's altruistic 1996 assistance in helping to connect US public libraries to the internet. The same class maverick reminded the assembled group that the libraries in both the US and the remaining few in Britain had been sold off little more than two years later to the largest information supplier in the world, which had turned them into information clubs, where, for a nominal fee, you could find all manner of facts. Once they had been squeezed of all the positive press publicity they could muster, info clubs in the more deprived areas of New York, for example, had little financial incentive to remain open. Before further discussions could be had, each pupil's slate reminded them of the metered cost of the discussion to their school. Time is money, discussion is dollars, parlance is pound. A little cockney mascot popped into view with grating amicability. It's good to talk. The screen faded into the terminating advert and a mini-documentary by BBC PLC about otters. Oh, satire at the end there. Yeah, satire. There you satire. Go. It all came true. Yes, every word of it. <laughs> it did. <laughs> why, why have you got a bad cold? I haven't got a bad cold. I've got a very slight head cold. I'm tired of you and your colds. I know, me too. I swear Laura gave me this one. Why did you do that? Because she's very spiteful. You do get too many colds. I do. I, well, I, I get two What's or wrong three. with you? I get two or three a year. It's not exactly above average, but it's too Still many. Still too, ma- too many. Too many. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you are bad with colds. No, I'm really not. I'm very good with colds. Are you better than Laura? I'm actually better than Laura with colds, but I am. Uh, she is much better at kind of actual being properly ill, whereas I just turn to a useless wreck. <laughs> Man flu. <laughs> mm. How's Dexter? <laughs> He's sleeping on the sofa behind me, just ever so gently snoring. I noticed that yesterday you had a Thanksgiving celebration, yes. which is unusual for a British person. It's 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 because um, I went to a Thanksgiving dinner, um, a Thanksgiving day in uh, in America. I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast before, probably two years ago. Um. So I have yeah, so I have some friends in the States and I was staying with them, went for Thanksgiving with them and just realised what a fantastic thing it is. Like a, a day of just getting together with friends and family, feasting an enormous amount and there's no exchanging of gifts. 
Yes. Which I just liked as a concept. I think it's I, it sort of seems a better day, a better feast day to me than Christmas. Yes. And so um always wanted to kind of have my own Thanksgiving. And then once I was married, you know, two, two years ago we did it um, before but it, but it didn't work. It was a bit maladroit, wasn't it? No, not at all. It worked extremely well. And then we forgot to do it last year. And so we did it again this year. And you had a nice turkey. I actually had a very big chicken because unfortunately turkeys cost five times the price for the same amount. Well, then it wasn't Thanksgiving. You were just being stingy for no reason. Well, it wasn't Thanksgiving because I'm in England, you know. And then you had your... How was the pumpkin pie with marshmallows? We didn't have it with marshmallows, but it was very good. Mm. Uh, Laura did the pumpkin pie this year. Were you thankful? I was thankful, yes. Was Laura thankful? She was thankful, yes. She was thankful too. Was Dexter thankful? Not in the slightest. I think he was quite thankful I did sneak in bits of chicken off my plate. You'll spoil him. I'll spoil him rotten. (laughs) You'll spoil him. Imagine you could spoil a cat. <laughs> the very concept is ludicrous. Is this a hidden danger of recession? More Britons are being scalded in hot water bottle accidents because they don't want to turn the heating on. It's <laughs> another story by Sophie Borland. I think I'm beginning to see a pattern in uh, Sophie's article. Can, can we make up another one? Let, let's just pick some BS nonsense out of the air and associate it with another BS variable. Let's try it. Um... Let's see. Um, are ebooks causing people to have greater injuries? And here's the here's my reasoning. Yes. Are you ready? Yeah. People are more used these days to reading ebooks. Okay. Thus, when they actually pick up a real book made of paper, they're less familiar with how to use it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they get paper cuts as they turn the pages because they're no longer familiar with that danger. So therefore, ebooks have caused people to become more injured. That's I, I would I, if that's true. Uh, I'm assuming that's true, and, I, and I, I want to start a campaign for the banning of ebooks immediately. Experts in paperology have made it very clear that that is true. I just can't find the nutritional recession. How we're all reading, eating pot noodles and chips because we can't afford fresh food. Hmm. Of course. Okay, is this Sophie as well? This is all Sophie. I'm just looking through her, her article selection. Yeah. Okay, can you... I want you to make another crappy postulated um, Sophie story. Go on. A Sophie story. Let's make, let's make a Sophie story. In fact, could I want everybody to do at Ram Doings... Sophie headline. So use the you in fact use the hashtag Sophie story and just make up some ridiculous <laughs> pseudo correlatory junky headline and we'll call it hashtag Sophie story and send them to at Rum Doings and we'll we'll compile a whole list of Sophie stories that we can just make up or you can email them to podcast at rumdoings.com. But is, yeah, is, listeners, let's make a Sophie story. Is the prevalence of public Wi-Fi leading towards Britain's increasing uh, obesity? That reason- is a Sophie story. That is a Sophie story if ever I heard one. Thank you very much. And, and, and the reason is, here's the reason. No, no, uh, let me, it's my story. No, 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 no let me postulate okay, a reason, which, which will be right. just as good as anyone that she's. In the old days, if you wanted to access the internet or the network, you had to get up and walk to your terminal that was connected to the wall, or you had to go to the library and use that one there. Uh, and that kind of thing. Whereas now you can just slump in your sofa and you've got the internet wherever you are and therefore you're getting to become a big fat slob. Correct? Ab- absolutely indeed. And in public as well. Um, if you're at Starbucks and you use the internet, 
you yeah. would have had to either go home or find an internet cafe or something exactly. like just you can just sit in your chair at Starbucks and, and you and, and check your email straight there. Yes. Is that what she's saying? That's what yeah, that's what she's saying. <laughs> that's basically it, isn't it? But I, I made this one up, Nick, you understand. Good. <laughs> Actually I thought you didn't. I thought that was No, no, it's not it. a real one. Was... It, it sounded horrifically plausible. But I genuinely believed yeah, it. I mean that was go. that was too effective. It's a perfect I thought, Sophie what? story. Yeah. Breastfeeding boom in UK as well-off older mothers lead the way. Well-off. It's, it's only for those snooty um, <laughs> Islington right. types. <laughs> they can, they're the only ones who can afford breast milk. Yes. Everybody else has to make do with expensive formula. <laughs> oh, dearie me. I'm just, I can't Anyhow. stop reading her. I need to stop because it's too good reading. Stop it. But, but you see, that's he, Paul Dacre's caught you now. Yes, he has. He has caught you and there's no escaping. Now I shall inevitably want to look at the uh, curvaceous shape of a 14-year-old girl. <laughs> oh, yes. Did you see Who's, that? The private who, eye went to yeah. town on that one. Yes. Who? Gosh, she looks all grown up. <laughs> there's, there's so many of that, isn't? doesn't she look grown up? But this one was mm. particularly uh, just vile, just, just levaciously ex- exploring every inch of her flesh and look how cur- curves and her breasts and it's like oh why was it who wrote it in the first place though why 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 wasn't anyone at any point going maybe not because it brings in eyes and that's all that matters yes i suppose so i mean as we said again dacre hasn't actually ever used the internet and he certainly never browsed his uh company's own website so he doesn't know what's going on why I begged to strip off on stage, Kelly Brook turned down I'm a Celebrity to dance in London's risque new cabaret. Risque. That's uh, that's that's only a phrase that's ever really seen in tabloid newspapers. Risque. And they've they've demonstrated this fact by printing... I'm going to count the number of photographs of um, Kelly Brook with half her boobies out. One, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve... Twelve photographs of a video <laughs> to demonstrate the horror of this. To show how disgusting it is. Do you remember Mary Whitehouse? Yes, I do. Of course I do. Victoria's reading her correspondence at the moment because there's a book out with various letters that she wrote. Oh, mad yeah. letters. Uh, and for those who are too young or too fortunate to know who she was, she was a mad Christian woman who wanted television to be cleaned up. But her notion of cleaned up was bizarre and peculiarly puritanical, yes. even for that sort of person. And she would write to people... Uh, at every stage uh, of of her uh, mad career, complaining about the tiniest thing she saw on television and every single program that she saw, she would complain about. And she'd specifically stay up to watch certain <laughs> yes. programs in order to become angry about them. Uh, she also t- successfully sued gay news for um, blasphemy um, and various other things like that. Now, what that that's was what was scary. You know, if she were just a batty old woman who had written mad letters mm. to... Uh, I was almost going to say email. There, it shows you it's by default <laughs> these days. Mad letters to Director General and so on. That would be one thing. But she gained such public significance. She founded the National uh, Viewers and Listeners Association. She was always on Question Time. She was... Uh, discussed in Parliament, she had access to the uh, Tor- various Tory uh, ministers of of uh, broadcasting and so on. So it shows you that we had our own little one woman uh, telly tea partyist at some stage, and it's interesting 
that her like isn't actually around at the moment. Well, don't forget there was the lovely Stephen Green who was doing very similar until he was found out beating his wife. Yes, that was very interesting. Have you noticed how people don't seem to go to him anymore for comments about what all Christians are thinking? Well, funnily enough, the Daily Mail, after exposing him, have gone back to him for comments since, but not really have, because often. they forgot. Yes, I think they did forget. Oh, yes, we exposed him as a wife beater. Oh, talking about wife beaters. Yes. Um, you enjoyed the fact that your church, it is your church because this is an established country and it's your queen and therefore your church. I believe that you're a citizen of the UK. You don't even have dual citizenship. So your your church too. Your church has decided that ladies are all smelly. <laughs> That's right. They've yeah. got fleas. Ew. I mean, my argument was, if you're going to have something as silly as bishops anyway, um, yes. don't, don't, don't try and pretend that uh, this has anything to do with any specific um, uh, biblical edict. Because, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say you need to put on a frock and <laughs> go, 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 go around pontificating to people like that. That's not, not... So if you're going to do it anyway, then at least admit that it's just your own, your own biases. And I, I actually don't... You know what, John? I, I don't mind people who say that. If they say, look, I've just got an aesthetic thing. I quite like having um, a daddy figure. Right. I just quite like having a daddy figure. It makes me feel more comfy. Especially these old, these ladies who go, I don't want mummy, I want daddy. <laughs> Which is actually what they're saying. I mean, that's it. At its most benign, that's what they're saying. Yeah. I don't mind that so much if they were honest. They said, actually, there is no logical reason. And actually, there is no theological reason. But I just, I quite, I quite like having a nice big daddy telling me all the rules. <laughs> and if they just admitted that, that there was a psychological and a sociological uh, and an aesthetic preference, then at least we can say, okay, well, you can keep your daddies, and for the people who aren't mad, they can have their mummy or their daddy. But the problem is when they try and pretend that there's some big overarching logical or theological reasoning, when, of course, what I've said is that's the actual reason, isn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's actually interesting. The, the the rant I did on my blog about it, a uh, few people have mm. pointed out some mistakes. I mean, I, I, I don't speak Greek and I'm an amateur. Um, mm. But what's interesting is, and the mistakes that I've made don't, and uh, in, in interpreting the Greek may not be mistakes. Still, I'm still researching this and, and, and talking mm-hmm. to some experts about it. But um, the, the point being, it doesn't change the fact that, at, you know, this 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 guy Paul was very much in favour of women in leadership. It doesn't really matter that I've not quite got to grips with exactly what he was trying to say. We know for a fact that he wasn't trying to say women can't be leaders. Because he kept talking about how great women leaders were. Yes, it's just that's what yeah. we, that's what makes me so angry about the um, about this whole thing. Is I don't as as like you, I don't. Bishop, I think bishoping is a strange thing to do, and I don't really care about it very much. Um, I do, and, it's, and, it, and it has and it has nothing to do with core theology at all. No, not at all. And um, mm. there there are some biblical structures. There's some there's some biblical basis for structures of leadership in the church and and deacons and things like this. They are kind of there, but they are ambiguous and unimportant um mm. i don't know about i think you know the whole bishoping thing and the whole idea that peter was the first pope and all this stuff i don't know who cares it just doesn't matter um but it's the mendacity of the argument it's the deliberate pretense of the lack of a theological understanding you take these two verses that undermine women in our current modern translations and you say that's the reason why, but in doing so, ignore the entire ethos of the books those quotes are from. Well, that's mm. just deceit, isn't it? And so when it's deceit at the core of, you know, when the church house of laity, as it's so grandly called, 
uses deceit to base their voting. Gaiety more like, but they don't like that either. <laughs> they don't like that either. So it's interesting, the um, the defence I've heard the most frequently for the, for the, uh, people who voted no was sometimes people saying they didn't all vote no just because they disagree or they're bigots. They voted no because there were lots of other people in the church who would be really upset by this decision and they wanted to protect them. That's ludicrous. And that's worse, isn't it? That's worse, saying I don't agree with this, it goes against my principles, but I want people who are mistaken or are morally wrong to be given comfort in their sin. I know that slavery is wrong, but I'm not going to vote with Wilberforce, because yeah. I just think some people are going to be upset when they don't get their slaves anymore. I know that um, some people would say we should shop pedo priests, but you know, I think... Some of the congregation will be upset because they like their pedo priest and they didn't don't want to hear that he was being naughty. So let's just be quiet about it. It's the same sort of mentality, really. I know that it's... it doesn't really make sense that women don't have the vote, but you know, just some hmm. of the men just think they're not really up to it, and so I vote. And I don't me. want to be nasty to the men. Yeah, no. It, uh, that's that's a very dishonest sort of um, justification, isn't it? Because it's not even being prepared. To stand up for your dodgy belief, it's kind of yes, um, it's the worst. Pre- thing. It, 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 it's pretending it's somebody else's problem, and you're just, uh, I'm just being a lovely chap. And the, and you know the, the legislation as it was didn't allow for some parishes to opt out of having to have a female. Good, leave mm. the bloody church. If you hate women yeah. so much, go and form your own little nasty sect somewhere else. But there are plenty of sects, exactly. Yeah. Why, if you don't like the church you're in, nobody's forcing you to be in the church you're in. I, that's what one thing I don't understand. If there were, if there were one church, and you were said you're either in this church or you're a Satanist, <laughs> yeah. and those are the, the, the those are the two options. Then you can understand why they'd be scrabbling to try and make sure that their church did what they want. But actually, they have a full buffet. Why are they becoming obsessed with this particular trough in the buffet? And the funny thing is, there are a couple of ironies about that. Uh, On the same day, at the moment that the vote was announced, there was a group of women church leaders in Parliament discussing, having a meeting to discuss the role, the important role of women in in, in changing society as leaders. And Mm -hmm. And in the same week as the result came out, the very first Anglican bishop, female Anglican bishop, was put in place in Africa. (laughs) <laughs> That's I know the African ch- Anglican Church, which is by far the most frighteningly bigoted in the world. They've got women yeah. bishops. That, that's that's ludicrous. In, the, in between stoning children to death and being witches, they've appointed a female bishop. <laughs> and and in Uganda, making uh, homosexuality penalised by death. Oh my goodness! Which came in yesterday, I believe. And and so little coverage of that, so little reporting. Well, to be fair, it wasn't Jews who were doing it. So that's true. So who cares? Yes, um, exactly. So yes, it's it's been a funny old week for your church, your church. my church. Well, mm. I was I grew up in the Anglican Church and worked for it for six years. I, I do have quite a lot of affection for it, and it makes me quite sad when I see it behaving quite so ridiculous. So what do you feel of it? Do you do you feel sad for it? Do you feel like it's like you'd feel when you see a drug addict or a drunk go and commit a crime, you're saying, oh, God, why did you let yourself go so badly? I want to help you. Or do you think, no, they're just a lost cause? I do I do think... Okay, I, to kind of split the answer, I think the Church of, Church of England is a lost cause. However, within the Church of England are extraordinary and wonderful people. I mean, just something like Tear Fund is just, you know, a world-changing, beautiful thing that's organised. I think it's mostly Church of England. The Jubilee Project was a lot Church of England. 
I mean, and, and then just individual churches, just in what they do for their, their... Churches, churches, churches. Churches, churches, churches. What they do for their locality and stuff. Yeah, so there's, there's wonderful, wonderful things happening within the Church of England. Um, but as an institution, as a concept, it's, it's certainly on the way out. When the old people die, will all this nonsense be dealt with? Well, the problem with old people is, mm. like Doctor Who, they're constantly regenerating new ones. Yeah, but uh, maybe the new old people will not be scared of ladies. Have you thought of that? I do. I, it's, it, I'm just not sure. I mean, when I worked for an Anglican, a very elderly Anglican church um, 10 years ago. Um, yeah, so between 10 and 7 years ago. Um, the new crop of old people were just as bad as the old, as the previous one. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's so, a... So they might just replenish their memes. That church, when I started working at that church, the vicar who was on the verge of retirement and retur- retired just as I was leaving after three years, he um, very excitedly told me that they just managed to get the vote through within their church to replace a, a section of the pews with movable chairs. Yeah, but that allows for slothfulness, doesn't it? This is true. Well, that's why the uh, pews, that's why Jesus introduced pews in churches. <laughs> yes, to make them less comfortable. The funny thing, you know, you, you know why pews were introduced? No. It was doing, to allow it was, bowing? I don't know. It was to create a more, more orderly conduct in churches by Victorians. Victorians believed that the people were kind of facing any direction they wanted and weren't. So they introduced pews as a kind of way just to keep people facing the right direction and behaving properly. Nice, mm-hmm. uncomfortable, narrow, slightly too narrow. Like those, like when they replaced all the bus stop chairs with those things to stop tramps from sleeping on them. Oh, yes. That's essentially the same rule that they did for church: was to stop you being comfortable enough to fall asleep or have a chat. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't even go very far back as a, as a church tradition. Um, no. So, uh, so they they they'd got they'd finally decided they were going to move these these pews out. Three years later, they were still arguing about how ridiculously unfair it was that the other people had been voted down and the. Church- it was just as I was leaving there for three years since the decision was made. They swapped out three rows of pews for some chairs. Arguing about pews. That's well. That's the point. That was, and it was a small village Anglican church um, that I was they, they doing the youth work for. Have I talked to you know my my theory about youth work? No. In, yeah. the, in the Anglican church and in many churches, they tend to see young people as um, fodder. No, 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 like an infestation. Like they've got a problem with young people. So, right. um, you know, you've got a problem with ants. So you call the yeah. exterminator. And so they, yes. they call the youth worker. They get a youth worker in to come deal with their youth problem. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, we have youth an infestation workers, of youth. Exactly. Youth workers, unfortunately, are like the kind of ant extermin- insect exterminator who comes along and just sprays ants everywhere. <laughs> um, and so I learned to them, they had eight teenagers in the church when I started. When I left, they had 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they don't really didn't really help them out so much. No, uh, but yeah, it's it's fun times. I I imagine that your current church has got good old fashioned pews. <laughs> it doesn't because we meet them, as you well know, in a, a a girls' secondary school, and so we have good old fashioned plastic bucket chairs. You didn't get married in the girls' secondary school. You got married in a proper stone church. We did. We went to... Because you can't get married in the secondary school, so we got married in a local church. Exactly. I can't. I don't think they had pews, though. No, they did. Not... Oh, no, no, you're right. No, no, no. They didn't. They re- That church apparently was refitted about two or three years ago and got rid of all its pews, and it's all those posh church chairs. Church chairs. You know, with the cushion for the bottom and the cushion for the back on the nice uh, pale, white, uh, pale brown uh, wood cushions or satan's upholstery as i call them exactly if a cushion hasn't been uh hand sewn by a collection of old ladies to have a picture of a dove on it 
and, and to be and to be and to be hideously uncomfortable and lumpy. That's right. And kneelers, I think they're called. Oh, let's just stuff them with some lead balls. Have you make them more comfortable? Have you been in a church since my wedding? No, it was a year and two months. Has it? Yeah, God's going to forget what you look like, Nick. <laughs> well, Judith enjoyed dancing to your um, to to all your hymns, if you remember. She did. We didn't have any hymns. You had tons of hymns. We didn't have any hymns. We had songs. You had hymns. Sorry. Um, uh, uh, Amazing Grace is a hymn. Did we have Amazing? I have no idea what we had. You have no idea what went on? Who, no. who did you marry again? I, forget. I, I was very drunk. Did you actually have a drink at your wedding? No. Uh, uh, no, I don't think I had anything to drink at all. Not even water. No, I had liquid. Didn't have any booze. Well, you, had, you, had, you had a cream tea to make yourself safe. I did. We made sure everyone... Did, did we ever talk about this on the podcast, that we had cream teas at the wedding? Yes. I can't I remember. believe we... Well, we must have, yes. Um, I've still got the cream... Because the, the CTFP uh, sign still up in our kitchen. Good. <laughs> yes. And they were very good scones. I hope, you yes, they were made by uh, my, my, my wife's she, friend, Laura. She beat a test. Yes, she's also called. Well, you did get married to the right Laura, didn't you? I think get a mix up on so. the day. Oh, gosh, there were so many Lauras on that day. It was ridiculous. I feel like, like with uh, with Leia. Those scones were, yeah, those scones were. There's a biblical through. reference there that completely went over your head. It was completely over my head. What was it? Go on. I said there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't a marriage mix up as with Leia. Okay. God, you don't, you don't, you don't know your Bible no, at don't. all, do I you? I don't know my Old Testament. No, I'm terrible. You are, you're awful. I know bits. Just... I know lots of it. You're biblically illiterate. Well, my problem is I don't remember everyone's names. When people tell me the story, I go, "Oh yes, of course, I understand that." And I just forget everyone's names. But that's in real life as well. This is true. <laughs> Can't even remember the names of your colleagues. You just call them the grumpy one, the suspicious one, <laughs> the, the whore. <laughs> Which one's the suspicious one? I think Jim is Jim a suspicious. Jim is suspicious. Oh, I like the idea that Jim's suspicious. He is. He is suspicious. And the whore, Kieran. <laughs> Kieran's, no, Kieran's no longer working on Rock Paper Shotgun. Yeah, but he's still the whore. He's not a whore. He is. He's a superhero. A superhero, yes, exactly. And his superhero powers are to become a whore whenever he needs to. It's not true. It is. Oh, I'll accept that award. He's yes, always he refused my money when I offer him sex. <laughs> he gives you freebies. He does. See, that's very... Good, good heavens. Excellent. Or did he just refuse? I'm sorry, John, I have standards. Aww. Oh, dear. So cruel. Oh, we've gone over 46 minutes. We have to stop. Thank God. This was a ridiculously bad this episode. This is the Daily Mail episode. It was the Daily Mail episode. Okay. And you read um, your I'm really to... long, boring story. I did. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>